0: Good morning again, dear friends. Glad you guys are here. Hello, arm. Hello, leg. What's up, spleen or earlobe, whichever one you are, as we've been talking about being part, uh, unified as one body of Christ. We're glad that you're here exercising your peace. So welcome and good morning uh, that we're unified in worship of God. It's so exciting. Um, I have a desire to be transformed by God, uh, to be moved by him. and I hope that you come this morning with a heart open to say, God, what do you want to say to me? How do you want to move me? And God, how can I move in your spirit? Um, Some people are worried that I'm losing my mind and that I've been forgetting to do our shout-outs. So just want to clarify that I'm not. uh, I'm not that forgetful yet. Uh, This series, uh, the shouts decided to take a break, and so uh, they're taking a break through this series, and then we'll see if we like them enough to bring them back uh, later. So... Uh, no, not losing my mind. I know our our church is so observant. Like, you guys are like, I don't know. You, no, it's everything. You know, I walk in, they're like, why are you wearing a duck shirt? You know, like, well, I can't just wear a duck shirt. Like, no, something's going on. You know, like, you guys are like so observant as a church. Can't get away with anything. If ever I bring, a, a, like, a bag or something up, they're like, why has he got a bag? What's in there? You know, like, it's all sorts of uh, observance. So, uh, yes, you are observant. We haven't been doing the shouts, but I didn't lose my mind. So, that's good news. All right, I'm still. Still got it sharp as a sharp as a hammer. Uh, we've been uh, looking at Ephesians for the last now five weeks, and we're going to continue that this morning in Ephesians chapter three, uh, the second half. But about uh, uh, two weeks ago, my uh, my wife and I, uh, our relatives from Korea came. Well, well, they're more her relatives, and they're my in-laws. So they they came uh, from Korea. So my brother-in-law and uh, his wife came, and uh, they're like. So they're like Korean, Korean, right? They don't really speak any English or whatever. But I had this really good idea to take my brother-in-law to a Ducks game. And that was a really smart idea. And he doesn't speak any English and I don't speak any Korean. So it was like, we had translators. That was fantastic. So. And each of them, within each three separate prayers that he's going to have, they each have the word power in them. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there are three power purées today. (laughs) And I was like so excited. I texted my wife, I was like, babe, brother-in-law came through on this sermon. So we're going to look at three power purées today. Now, not the hockey kind, but the God kind, where Paul prays for, for power for I would, like, even though I think about it, I kept laughing. So I was like, come on, be serious-faced when we're talking sermon. All right, so Paul's going to pray for power for Christ to dwell inside of us. He's going to pray for power for us to understand God's love. And he's going to pray for power to make us more than what we think we can be. And so we're going to see that in Ephesians chapter uh, 3.14 through the end of the verse. So let's start out with uh, Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, last week, we had for this reason. That's how it started, and I said, wait till next week. But Paul has been developing this idea for the entire book. He's been saying that there was this mystery that's been revealed. The mystery is, how can Jews and Gentiles come together? How can people get to God? How can we become one body, one family? And he says, this mystery, for this reason... That this mystery has been revealed, that you are now one, that you're following God in a, as a single unit heart. For that reason, I kneel before God and I pray for you. Because you've been united together, here's the reason that you're united together, then I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to see that today. He just finished saying all this kind of stuff in the last few verses. Now Paul says, I'm going to kneel before the Father. Now kneeling before God, like we sort of think of that's very Christian-y to kneel down and pray but when the Jews prayed, they, they prayed standing with their hands up like this. So if it was time to pray, then we would all say, okay, it's time to pray. We'd stand up. We'd put our hands like this, and then someone would pray over us, and then we'd sit back down. In fact, when they taught the word, the, the teacher sat down, and then it was prayer time. They stood up, and they raised their hands like this. And, and so uh, Paul says, that's not how I'm praying right now. I'm taking this place of humility as I pray for you, getting on my knees. Now, this isn't new. Jews have done it. Thousands year past. There's a rich history of amazing spiritual heroes who pray on their knees. Solomon prayed on his knees in 1 Kings chapter 8. Ezra also in Ezra 9. The psalmist calls us to kneel in Psalm 95. Daniel prays on his knees as he faced Jerusalem in Daniel chapter 6. People come to Jesus kneeling, Matthew 17 and Matthew 20 and Mark 1. Stephen died praying on his knees in Acts chapter 7. Both Peter and Paul pray on their knees in Acts 9 and Acts 20. Early Christians prayed on their knees as well, found in Acts chapter 21. And most importantly, Jesus prayed on his knees as well in Luke chapter 22. So the Bible has enough like prayer not on the knees to show that it isn't required. But there are enough examples of prayer on the knees to show us that it's probably a really good idea. And I don't know if you've implemented this strategy often or not, but but I want you to try it this week at least once, where you pray on your knees. Our posture to God matters. Now it is cool to sometimes pray to God like this, and sometimes like this, and sometimes even lay on your own face on the ground before God to say, God, I'm completely surrendered to you. And there's a a power or a difference that comes when we get on our knees to pray to God. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and try it one time this week. Join the the, these spiritual heroes of the faith by by praying to God on your knees. And as you get older, I used to be able to pray on my knees for an hour or so. Now, if I pray on my knees for an hour, I won't be able to get back up. I will just be there, and I'll have to call an ambulance. So uh, five minutes if you need someone to help you get back up. Set a timer and have your wife come help you get off the ground if that's what you need. Um, but go ahead and give it a try. Because there's a humility. There's a something where we kneel before God and say, God, we want to issue these prayers to you. They're really important. They're really near to me. And that's what Paul says. I'm on my knees praying for you. The reason I'm praying is because God has called us to be united in Him. And then Paul reminds them that we're all God's family. And we're called after His name. We see it right there in the verse. That we all take His name when we're adopted. Two of my wife and I's three children had different last names when they were born than us. But once they were adopted, they took our family name because they are our family. Because they become our family. And so too is with God. When we join God's family, we take his name and join his family. Now on to our first power puré. <laughs> power for Christ to dwell in, inside us. Ephesians chapter 3, 16. I pray that that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Let's build this out a bit. I love this part. He says out of the glorious riches. It's already a really cool verse. Talk about God's glorious riches. Look, you can only give what you have. God can give abundantly because God has abundantly. God can give Out of the riches that he possesses to us. And so we're off to a really good start. God has all these riches available. And he's praying that out of God's glorious riches. He might do something. He might do what? He might strengthen you with power through his spirit. Now we need spiritual strength to let Christ dwell within us. Because there's something in us that resists the the indwelling of Jesus. There's parts of us that, that like, we want Jesus to dwell, but then there's other parts that are like, get out! You know, and there's this tug of war, and Paul talks about it in Romans. He talks about, like, there's this this war in me where the things I want to do, I can't do, and the things I don't want to do, they keep coming back, and I keep doing them. And And he says there's this war inside of us, and even in Romans he concludes the same thing. Thanks be to God that he gives us power to overcome these things. That's what he's saying. Like, God, we need your abundant strength so that you could dwell in us with your power. The Spirit strengthens with power our inner being. But to what end? So that Christ might dwell in our hearts. Dwell uses the Greek word for a permanent home, not a temporary residence, not someone visiting, so that God may take residence in our heart, and that is the place he belongs, and it is his property, his place, and he's firm and, and, and strong in that position. So the power pray, the power is, is that the spirit will strengthen your inner being in power where Christ dwells. Why is this prayer so necessary? Because the enemy attack attacks the inside of us. The the spiritual warfare, the the most important. Things that are happening in your life are not the physical things. They're the spiritual things. And that's where the enemy takes aim at you and attacks you in your inner being. Satan's not pulling your hair, trying to trip you so you fall down. He's attacking your inside, saying things like, You're not good enough. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're fat. You're too sinful. Christ doesn't dwell in the likes of you. Because you did that sin. I I know that sin. You did it. Christ doesn't want to dwell in you. That's what the enemy says. You're a waste of space. Your life is meaningless. You just clock in, clock out. Nobody cares. You're a bad parent. You're a failing parent. You're a bad friend. You're a failure in school. You're worthless. You're useless. You're shameful. You're no good. Punch after punch. Body blow after body blow. And we need power to strengthen our inner abs to take the hits. Inner strength to keep Christ dwelling at the center. If the enemy can't damn you to hell because you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then he wants to beat you down so bad that you can't fight for God. He wants to beat you down so bad that you cannot hold Christ as your center, that Christ won't feel like He's dwelling within you? How easily does worry dwell in your heart instead of Christ? How easily does anxiety or self-doubt or a million other negative things knock Christ off-center inside? How easily does that happen to each of us? How easily do neutral things, not even sinful things, like like work or school or relationship or your kids, how easily do those dwell in your heart instead of Christ? How easily do those things replace the center of your being, purpose, goals, life rather than Christ? So easily. We need this verse because each of us we're weak, but we don't have to be. Look at the beauty of that verse. says that, yeah, you're weak, but you don't have to be. You know what's available for you? Power. Power by the Holy Spirit to have inner strength so that Christ may dwell in you. Firm and secure, center spot where he belongs. There's power available to strengthen the real you that's the inner you. That power is available to each of us. Second power pray, power to know his love. Ephesians three seventeen and 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, I'm praying that you're you're rooted. Rooted is like a a tree sending down its roots deep into the soil and rock and intertwining them within the earth so that it can't be moved. Established is a term used for the firm foundation of a building. Rooted and established in love. That sounds really secure and strong. And from this place of firm security and strength, there is more for every believer. I think this verse is perfect for us here at JRC. I think this perfectly encapsulates it because I believe most of you are rooted and established in the love of God and a love for God. I think that we've, we've got this first part correct. I think you know God. I think you love him. You've experienced his love. And the great part about this verse is that's the beginning. I think sometimes we've been confused that, that we thought when we received the love of God, then that was, the, that was the it. Now we, oh, we've got God's love. I'm rooted and established in his love. Awesome. Now I can move on to this. But, but this verse is saying that you're rooted in love. Now you can experience something powerful. I mean, you couldn't even experience like Man, I thought coming to know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, understanding that he loved me, that was really powerful. And I'm rooted and I'm established there. Boom, Yes. But then God says, watch this. I have something much more powerful for you. I have have love that's more powerful than the love that you first had. That first love that you had, that was the beginning love. I've got something way bigger and better and greater than that kind of love. He says, I want you to have power together with all the Lord's people to understand how wide my love is for you. Why does, like think about a kid and you ask a kid, how, how much do you love your parents? And they don't know how to express it. This is all this much. And they should go even further than their arms can stretch out. Oh, I love you this much. And that's so beautiful. And when we say, God, how much do you love us? Jesus spreads his arms out wide and he takes our sin on the cross and he's crucified for each of us. That's how wide God's love is for each of us, that he would stretch out his arms and receive you freely, taking all of your sin, but not just yours. His love is wide enough that the world can partake. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him won't perish but have eternal life. God's love is wide enough to encompass anything that you have. Any sin, any brokenness, any circumstance covering all of the circumstances of your life. That's how wide it is. How long is Christ's love? I want you to have power to know how wide, but power to know how long Christ's love is. The love of Jesus has length. When we consider the length of God's love, ask yourself, when did the love of God start towards me, and how long will it continue? Well, the Bible's clear about this. The Bible says God loved you before you loved him. The the Bible says that God loved you when you were still enemies. The Bible says God loved you before he created the universe. You were in his mind even before. He's like, oh, I'm going to create this universe. And you know what? I'm going to create Trevor and that. That's going to be so dope. Within this universe. He hasn't even created it yet. And he's like, I'm thinking about you. And when does the length of that love last Too Eternity. It never ends. It never fails. Power to know how high Christ's love is. To see the height of God's love for you. you got to ask yourself, How high does it lift me? And we saw in Ephesians 2, the Bible says that we are seated in the heavenly realm with Christ. We are lifted to the highest place in all of the universe, next to God. Power to know how deep Christ's love is. Philippians 2, 7-8 gives us an inkling of how deep that love goes when it says, He, Jesus, made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant he became and he came in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself became obedient to death even death on the cross you can't go lower than descending from heaven coming to earth and dying a death on the cross that's how deep the love of god is for each of you it'll reach down and draw you out of the depths of your own sin and destruction There is no hole too deep, no pit too low where Christ can't reach. You can never fall below the reach of grace. There is no depth or distance that God cannot reach you. Paul wrote that this love is knowable. It isn't speculation. It's not guesswork. This is something to know and to know in full measure, to experience life in Jesus, and to be filled to your full capacity with Him. He asked for power to grasp God's love, power to know God's love, and power to be filled with God. And that's a really great thing, but it says more than just filled with God. It says filled with the fullness of God. But it says even more than that, it says to be filled with all the fullness of God. See, when you began, you you got love and that was the beginning of your place you got firm and established he said now i want you to know the fullness all the fullness of god and the love that he has for you this utterly bewilders the senses it confounds the understanding what would that mean if i started to live in a life where where god i'm going to pursue in power the love that you have for me Not just the initial love, that's really cool. Just like dating, the initial love's really nice. Like, she's, oh, she's pretty cute. I got this, like, infatuation. That's nice. But you know what's better? 22 years of marriage with my wife? Way better. The depth that I love her now. And God wants that for you. Acceptance was, yeah, that's important. But that wasn't when love ended. That wasn't the height of God's love for you. That was the beginning of God's. That's the low of God's love for you, is when you accept him as Savior. And then you get to start to walk in power. And I don't know if believers we ask this enough. I don't know if we say, God, I want to experience your love more. I want to know your love. Not just. It's a guarantee. It's an experiential guarantee that God, I want to walk in your love powerfully. I want it to affect my day-to-day. I want it to transform me. I don't want it to just be the initial part. I want it to be a lasting, permanent, deep love that, that I can't even understand. And the power prayer number three it's actually a doxology or ending prayer blessing for a section power to make us more. It says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He asks for immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Is this a material blessing, like more money, houses, and cars? I guess possibly, but that isn't the context and that isn't sort of the thrust of the letter so far. What he's been talking about so far is unity, to find love of God, to find belonging, to find a place where you are part of God's family with a new name that, that you can experience his love that he was just talking about, that you can experience his indwelling, that, that you could have powerful those things. That's what he's talking about. It's transforming and and shaping us into his image. So Paul had just said, like, as we come to this great height, as we are full to the fullness of all that God has for us, he says, how is that even possible? How could that even be? He says, here's the answer. The answer is it's possible because God does things that you can't even imagine. What would it be like if we started to live like God, like in this powerful love that he has for us? I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I can't even imagine it. But that's what God does. He does things that are unimaginable for us. What, what do it look like if we put Christ in the center and we in power dwelled with him and the sin was rejected and, and our faults were rejected and we just held fast him and we were able to hold on to that? What would happen? I don't know. I don't know what happened at your work. I don't know what happened to your family. I don't know what happened to you. It would be more than I could even imagine right now. And that's what God has available for you in power. Like we have plans, we have thoughts, sometimes we have dreams, but God has things that you can't even imagine if you'll just follow him, if you'll tap into this power that he has available for each of us. Because it says that power is at work in us. God is able to do this in our life now, not just in heaven. We're not talking about heavenly realm right now. We're talking about in your life now. God has that power available for you today. God wants to do something in you and with you. He has created you on purpose, with a purpose. And the only person who knows that purpose is the one who made you God. And so you you better start dwelling with Him if you want to find your purpose, if you want to know what you're on this planet for, if you want to find meaning and and deep relationship and love that, that you can't even imagine. Then you better get back to the one who made you. And that that's, goes for all of us, maybe even been Christian, 30 years. Let's get back to this place where God, I've experienced you, but I want you so much more. And the Bible seems to indicate that that's available in power that comes from God. Now, this is true individually, but it's also true of our church, that God wants to do more Than we can even imagine or accomplish by ourselves in our church. More than we can do on our own. More than we can even dream about or dare hope for. As we find ourselves together in Him, as we find ourselves unified in Him, God wants to do something miraculous even in this church. Beyond what you can even imagine. I can imagine some good things. But God's like, oh, I got even gooder things than that. So this would be pretty powerful, God. He goes, I got more than that. No, it may not be the direction that I had thought. I thought we were going this way. And God's like, nope, you're going this way instead. And that's fine. But whatever God has, that's going to be a better path. It's going to be the right path. It's going to be a powerful path. And God has that for us individually. And he has that for us corporately. What a really cool place to find ourselves. And so I can't wait to see what God has in store if we will just reach out and in faith tap into the power that's available, not on our own ability. On our own ability, we do okay. But I don't want okay. I don't want to live an okay life. I want to live a life that's way better than I can do myself, way better than I can imagine myself, way better than I can manufacture or work up to myself. I want that personally. And that's only available if I'll reach out and take the power that's available to me and God. And I want that for our church to be more than we can imagine. Not to just be like everyone else, or but but I want to be who God wants us to be. I want us to, to be how, he, he took these unique parts in each of you and he put us together in this body. And this body's going to look different than everybody else's bodies. It's going to look cool and interesting and probably weird and I don't know. can't even imagine. But I bet it's going to be good because God always does great work. And I'm so excited about that kind of stuff. I'm excited corporately. But I'm excited if this is true in my own life. What if I go home today and I start to think about this and I walk through Ephesians this week and I say, God, I'm going to kneel down to you and I'm going to pray the same prayer as Paul. I'm going to pray that, that you would give me power so that I could dwell with you and not fall back into the same patterns of negativity or same patterns of laziness or the patterns of sin, whatever you have. God, I'm going to come on my knees to you and I'm going to look for the power to grasp how, Wide and high and long, your love is for me. God, I'm, I'm going to go before you and trust that you have power to do more than I can even imagine. How do I imagine what I can't imagine? What is that going to be like? I don't know. But God, I'm going to trust you with it. Would you take some time and really think about this? We're going to close up here and invite the praise band back, but, but I want to just take a second and, and think about what God's saying. to To let it sit with you for a minute. We did this last week, and I want to do it again this week. To just let God's word sit with you, that He's trying to speak something to you. The Bible says at the end here we glorify God. It says to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The result of finding power in God isn't that we can be self-fulfilled or that we can be better people. It's ultimately that God can be glorified. And So let's take a moment, let it sit, and then we're going to glorify God together in one voice in a closing song of worship. So let that sit for just a sec.